and winter area para o meu caminhão. And welcome to Shift F1, a podcast about speedy race cars. That, by the way, is Portuguese for this is too much sand for my truck. Is that a is that a, a local idiom? It is, uh, which translates roughly to uh, something being more than you can handle. I like it. Um, there's no tie to whatever we're talking about today. I just thought it was great. I get, it's the Algarve. It's the the sandy shores of of southern it, uh, so Italy, so the southern Portugal. You know that there's there's definitely a sand. It's sand adjacent. Okay. It's, I also it's it a, sounds really familiar. So I don't I don't know if I've used this one before, but it, uh, like it also sounded familiar to me. But I feel like you've definitely done a truck related one. I'm not sure it's that one. Mm. <laughs> yeah, trucks, trucks come up a lot in local idioms or donkeys. <laughs> uh, I'm Drew Scanlon. Joining me. Uh, I was going to say a couple of donkeys, but that's not true. A couple of big old trucks. Danny O'Dwyer. <laughs> What's up? How are you? Honk, honk, honk everyone. Uh, I'm doing good. I'm excited because this race was fun last year. I went back and watched the highlights for last year. Um, maybe a lot of the fun was because of rain, though. So I've, I've, I've done a deep dive on the circuit just to kind of see what where the fun is. But we'll talk about that later. We'll also talk about the weather later. Uh, also Ooh. joining us, Rob Zachney. How are you, Rob? Oh, not bad. Uh, this this truck has uh, quite a bit of junk, if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you are new to the podcast, a very warm welcome. Uh, and if you are new to Formula One ex- itself, we recommend listening to our preseason primer episode that assumes no prior F1 knowledge and explains how the sport works and who everybody is. So if you'd like to go listen to that, it is episode 137. Also, the show is supported entirely by our audience over at patreon.com slash shift F1, where every month we release bonus podcasts and videos exclusively for our patrons covering racing documentaries and films, F1 video games, experiments with other racing series, and a lot of weird things. So if you'd like to support the show and get access to all of that fun stuff, head over to patreon.com slash shift F1 or click the link in the show notes. What's been going on this month, Danny? Uh, we have, as many of you know, uh, the second episode of our Drive to Survive Goodness uh, is up as well. We'll be closing that out uh, not too soon from now, I think, because we're at the end of April. So um, if you've been waiting to binge all on that, uh, you won't have to wait very long for the third episode. We also have, uh, of course, I did the track walk of Imola. Uh, there will be later this week one of the Portuguese GP, Portimao, the Algarve. Um, so uh, check out for that. Thank you so much to a lot of people who hit me up and was like, yo, that's also in Project Cars. So I can just use that setup as well, which I'm pretty happy about. Um, yeah, loads more coming. Oh, nice. and also, sorry. Oh my God. Oh my God, the sponsors that have my head. I'm not, I'll, <laughs> Gotta I'll keep never, happy. Yeah, I know. I, I mean, that would be my ass. I would have to tag in someone else for the the podcast if i drop that ball thank you so much to of course all of our title sponsors will romf reagan jason kelly jason chadwick umberto roca bailey foot abdullah alfani sam g greg saltz circuit demon if you want headlights go check out circuitdemon.com that was just me ad-libbing i just like i just like their website and of course the love of my life mariana sounds like a a 70s love song when you it say does, it that way. It? Yeah. It's a classic name. It's, it's a like very, the credits cl- just finished and now the sitcom <laughs> is about to begin. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And now, today on a very special episode of Mariana. Uh, well, we have a very special episode for you because we're talking about the pre-Portugal Grand Prix. Uh, but before we get to the circuit and all the fun uh, contained 
within that, we've got the news. Got some news. Maybe you all remember a couple episodes or maybe even last episode we were talking about sprint races. This is Formula One mixing it up uh, in qualifying. They're trying to fix qualifying, something that doesn't need to be fixed uh, in um, (laughs) what I guess is a ploy to try to get people to watch on Saturday more uh, and Friday more. I could have argued we would. This is maybe the least necessary season for this in in recent memory because it's actually qualifying has been pretty great but you know i'll take it well so i guess to to play devil's advocate here the um we have more a picture now of what the the proposed weekend would look like with sprint races and the qualifying as we know it um is still there it's just moved to friday and it matters less Well, yeah, so um, they have officially approved all the teams and F1 and everybody has approved three trial sprint races, um, as was uh, the plan um, at three rounds this year. Uh, I I don't know if they that that they have officially announced which ones they are, but I they uh, have right Uh, the, the, the YouTube video they put up when they were saying at three places, uh, showed the three that we previously heard they would okay. be, right? which was Silverstone, mm-hmm. Monza, I know that's the first one. and what was the other one? They were both three classic venues that we were like, oh, of course, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but we now have uh, a picture of what the, the race weekend looks like. On Friday, you will get a one-hour practice session in the morning, and then in the afternoon, the normal qualifying format. Um that we have come to know and love. Then on Saturday, you get another practice session of one hour uh, in the morning. And then in the afternoon is the sprint race. So just to reset again here, this is a um, uh, a, a race with no pit stops. Um, it is a third of the distance of a regular race. Um, you get two sets of tires to choose from. Um, and then, the so the grid for that race is set by the qualifying session. And then the finish of the sprint race is how everyone's going to line up for the real race. And I think the only the <laughs> I've been baffled by this for for a while, uh, but I think the only real explanation that makes sense to me is what Rob had said about um, they're trying to have a qualifying session that is more representative of a car's performance in a race. Because when you think about the way we've had qualifying that's really demonstrating how fast does the car go in clean air you don't always have clean air in qualifying but like that's that's the science experiment basically um so you could technically have uh like for instance this is kind of it's um been a talking point of the mercedes in the past where like they're people say that they're really fast in qualifying but whenever they're stuck in the in the pack in dirty air they don't do too well and they can't pass. Um, Lewis Hamilton has put that to the test, (laughs) but that's kind of the theory. Uh, So that to have a sprint race would then showcase the car's actual capability in a race. But isn't the, this here's my problem. Isn't the race the test of a car in a race? (laughs) I I don't don't think so. Um, Because if you think about it, I think what this is trying to correct for is that not to call out Seb, 
But I think the most, the era where it felt most like cars were, like the cars were just driving away from the front was probably Seb. And then there have been a couple of years where Mercedes has also felt like if they're on the starting, if they're on the front row, they just drive off into the sunset. And then if you saw them in traffic, the race that every other driver is driving, uh, performance mm. would be very different. They weren't nearly as dominant. And so I, I have some sympathy for this notion that you have you've had eras you've had seasons where effectively a car is so good at quality pace that they are not in the same race as anybody else and they are simply like driving away with it from the start and there is no like except for those rare moments when they're starting to move through lap traffic they are not dealing with the problems that everyone else is facing um and we can argue whether or not that's fair like hey that's racing and i agree but also i increasingly like as somebody who's watched motorsports my entire life i increasingly don't care like the question is whether i'm having fun on sunday not whether like the engineers and mechanics are being properly rewarded for their good work um i i do agree it's it's kind of weird timing it feels like maybe this will be less necessary this season this is the irony is that this might be a season where this feels like a solution to a problem that maybe doesn't exist as much but i also feel like you don't necessarily you don't consider changes only when problems come up because it takes too long yes you need to be proactive about this like i'm with you i think that's the thing that uh, uh, thinking about this over the past couple of days has like dawned on me which is that like the way in which we are often think about these big changes is that they are reactive and usually to rob's point reactive far too late right so it is interesting at the very least to see this sort of like proactive you know shifting of the deck because then at least we can see if something works or doesn't and and you know in recent years i guess we've had the you know there was a shift to qualifying was it three seasons ago now i think when they tested all that other stuff out well like the difference is it wasn't a test it was just like this is qualifying now that's a good point so i i do commend them for at least calling this an experiment yeah so and and we'll see right and they they're doing it at tracks uh, it seems like where we have you know pretty good you know experience of how, how those races usually end up and uh, you know Silverstone and Monza if it is those at least ones are usually tracks that actually produce good races anyway I think I've been enjoying so much Formula 2 recently that I'm just like yeah totally let's have more races like even Valencia with the with the E-Pre stuff that happened this weekend which we know we'll get into the weirdness of it as well happened in that first race but like it's it's cool to have more races um the one thing I wish is that they were giving more more points I I understand why they're not really, you want to give them more points yeah because it's so only like that's what the other thing. Three, it's two, one, it's three, it? two, one for the top three finishers of the sprint race. Yeah, they get championship points. And is there something? Yeah, and also yeah. So drivers and constructors. Um, yeah, I don't know. I wish they just just think about how fun that would be, right? If suddenly there was one of those mid pack teams which just gets the tires lit up way faster than everyone else, and in the sprint races was able to like close a gap. I don't know. I just love the chaos. I think they should like, like you know, my dream world would be that they give like a full twenty-five. I think that would be the funniest thing ever, just to like really throw a <laughs> wrench in the works. Spanner, well, sorry. Speaking um, speaking of uh, chaos, um, even Ross Braun, the uh, F1's managing director of motorsports, uh, says that if we go ahead with sprint races for next year, 
it's unlikely that they will do them for every race. He says in this Autosport article, quote, I'm not sure this format would be as successful at Monaco. <laughs> Which I think <laughs> is really point. smart because like, you know, <laughs> it's, it's really tough to pass in Monaco. What are you actually showing here by having a sprint race here? Monaco's the I mean Monaco's yeah, the unusual one because like Monaco is the example you pull where it's like look there's circuits where we don't where we where we really cannot race effectively. And I think this this is also kind of the tell like if you have a circuit where you're like I don't need to see these guys racing at the circuit more that probably is an indicator <laughs> not with the format but like some of the venues that F1 uh tends to favor. Mm. So I think that that's the other thing is if we're sitting here where it's like damn the circuit really depends on like exciting quality for an exciting weekend um that might be an indicator that uh there's just some some issues there but yeah by and large like i am i think it'd be fun like having this mix of like doing sprint races i'll be curious how the uh target moves over time how often like as people get used to this if it's a successful format how many races do we end up running sprint races uh versus Mm -hmm. how many do we stick to the usual three-round quality. Yeah, and that was- I, have, I, I have an answer on the location stuff as it is now at time of broad recording. It mm-hmm. says um, Silverstone, for sure, one European, other track, and one non-European. Yeah, the Autosport article says, it is understood that the first two will be Silverstone and Monza, but a decision okay. on the flyaway, uh, which has long been expected to be Brazil, will be taken nearer the time. Right. I'll take um, a second one there. What would be the best place? What would be, I'd love Spa. Because, I mean, Monza, sure. I do really like Monza a lot. And, and you know, Monza's feeling real good after last year's Monza, too. That was particularly fun. Um, also, they're not very good at qualifying at Monza. They keep messing that up. So it's true. Maybe <laughs> yeah. that's a good solution there. Yeah, no, that's, that yeah. addresses well, the, the Monza problem. Yeah, I mean, I think Interlagos could be fun. A sprint <laughs> race in sort of that, that slightly tighter, uh, smaller circuit could be fun um the experimentalist in me i kind of want to see them do this in like a street setting like singapore or something where it's like look can this mm. can this make for exciting action and slightly trickier more punishing circuits or would it just be well shit now now our qualifying sprint race had a bunch of safety cars so that sucked <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay, i think here. my 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 concern is that like we'll just get the same you know, the same thing that happens in races, in the sprint races, and it won't change anything. Like, Mercedes will qualify high or and or Red Bull, and then they'll start the sprint race and go away, uh, and then start the real race and go away. So, My worry is that they'll just be too conservative in the sprint race. If there's not enough points on offer, then really it's just an like the pro yeah. qualifying session. Right. What's but, I don't, oh the Pro Bowl okay the Pro Bowl they do is it right before the Super Bowl with the non Super Bowl players is that yeah. right and no yes. one wants to get hurt so right they don't play very yeah hard. but okay yeah okay. exactly but you could do that in football and it's fun I think here's the thing though like a, I actually kind of like that could be a problem and I suspect what you would start seeing is like if it started to go bad some of the more powerful teams with better prospects in the races might start getting a little more like antsy about the format but i would be real interested Mm. to see the risk reward calculation like that mercedes is employing versus like alfa romeo like where giovinazzi's really good at starting races and so you know what if somebody wants it more in that qualifying race good point fuck it good point 
You're right, because you'd, you'd need mm. the entire grid to be lackadaisical for it to be boring. Whereas you're right, all you need is one or two of them to go. Nah, man, I'm I'm getting I'm getting on the front front row this this week. Or I've never. Or like, I wonder how this benefits maybe the Williams, you know, or cars that are going to struggle. Like you said, yeah, Giovinazzi, right? They're having tro- they're really having trouble in qualifying this year. So at least you know associated with their race pace. So yeah, it's 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 going to be strange. I'm looking forward to it though. More racing is better, I think. You know, and yeah, if it works, I think it works, and if it doesn't, it doesn't. Yeah, I think I'm coming around to it. Um, I don't know. I, we'll, we'll see on July 17th. How about this? I have an idea. Endurance race, spa, <laughs> one driver per team, and they like swap out, or maybe they just one part one pulls in and the other one goes. If only the cars were set up Three. for endurance rather than just running for exactly two hours and then falling apart. <laughs> Imagine headlights in an F1 car. Oh, it'd be cute. <laughs> Little little yeah. old school headlamps. There, is, there you, just is not useless. a lap. There's no lap count. It's just like whoever is the last running. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's like, like a, a three-hour race derby. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, speaking of, uh, let's yeah, talk about geez. Formula E. Um, if you have not seen the races this weekend, uh, maybe <laughs> skip ahead a little bit. I'll put some timestamps in the um, in the show notes so we don't spoil you. But uh, there was. <laughs> this bear's talking about Danny. Yeah, I thought it would. You know, we try and not talk about a lot of this stuff. Um, you know, the week of, like, you know, maybe we'll chat about the indie stuff as well because there was a lot of good racing happening. Not in Formula One this um, weekend. Uh, some of that was happening at Formula E. But some also some nonsense was happening. So you may have seen uh, there was two round. It was a two rounder at Valencia, which is interesting because this was a at a circuit which Formula E has never done before. Um, and was already under some sort of criticism before the end of the race and uh, prior to the race because uh, although they put in some like fake corners here and there, um, you know there were long straights and longer turns, and the drivers were having to do quite a lot of energy saving during the first of the two races, round five, um, of uh, of the Formula E season this year. Uh, the other thing that happened, which is that uh, they had five safety cars in the first race, in round five, in which a lot of drivers were getting beached in the gravel. Um, something that doesn't really happen in Formula E races. Usually, you know, they're pretty tight street circuits and cars... There's no gravel, you know, it's just walls. Exactly, it's walls, and they either get pushed out uh, out of some little magical door that opens up, um, or they get craned. Uh, they do get safety cars in FE, but like not five in a race. Um, yeah. And the thing it about was a safe- wet race. So right, people were yeah. skid- skidding off all over the place. Um, uh, yeah, and they're just simply not used to having runoff. Like it's just not how they drive. They'll hit the wall. You know, they're not, and they do hit the wall a lot. But it's kind of like Indy, where you can kind of hit the wall a bit more, and your car doesn't fall apart. Whereas in F one, if you you know, smell the wall, your fucking wing, you know, wing falls off and your wheel flies <laughs> through the air. So, you know, it was just like not really a great fit, first of all. And then the other thing that happens is that whenever a safety car happens, because of the format of Formula E, which is like you drive for 45 minutes or you drive for a certain time and then they add a lap. Basically, once you cross the line on the zero, that's the final lap. So it's like 45 plus one, right, for Valencia. Um... But because of the nature of that, the way that they manage safety cars where the the cars are still going, the clock is still going. It's not like injury time in football or something, soccer. Um, 
they basically just they take a chunk of the allowable energy from the car away from the drivers uh, uniformly and this could be you know anywhere between i don't know i think it's like three and five kilowatts or something something like that yeah and do they and, do that because like if if you're running an electric car behind a safety car for a few laps that means when you go racing again you don't have to do any energy saving and so there's no there's no longer any challenge to it is that why they dock usable energy under a safety yeah car? it's to i think it's to yes in 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 so few words i think it is to the general ethos is to keep it so that the energy saving that they have to do is consistent throughout the racing portions of the the race because you're right if you had especially if you had five safety cars um then the amount of energy saving you have to do is is pretty minimal because the batteries in these cars have gotten way better than you know the first season where they have to swap out cars and then right. the second season the third season so they've, now they're at the point where they can you know so they're basically going to finish these races because of all the safety cars with a chunk of battery left but as far as you're concerned the allow the allowed usable battery which is displayed on the screen at all time you can see how much battery is left in each car um is basically the allotment is is shortened so. The problem here is that the final safety car that happened happened very close to the end of the race. And obviously, the, amount, the longer time you have between, you know, this allotment being cut off and the end of the race, then the more you have to, you know, literally do the math, right, to figure out how much uh, energy you have left. And then the other problem was that Antonio Felix da Costa, current champ, who's leading this race, uh, kind of maybe cross the line faster perhaps than the formula e uh, uh race director was expecting he there was 15 seconds left so when he crossed the, he crossed the lap so that it wasn't the final lap oh so, so okay there's 15 seconds left on the clock uh if he would have like slowed way down and not crossed the line the clock would have hit zero and we would have had one lap left but instead correct. he crossed the line and he had like five seconds left so that the clock ticked down and he had to do effectively two more laps or everyone yes. had to do effectively everyone two more laps. so not just him a lot of other people behind him who perhaps it's hard to tell without like listening to every single steam radio perhaps also expected it just to be one lap especially if you're watching our formula e races you're used to the two percent three percent being over in the final lap you know what i mean like mm -hmm. and sometimes it gets down to that like 0.5 and you're like oh but like you know but they crossed that line and i think i think uh i think nick devries had three percent when they crossed the line in second and antonio fixed costa had like two or one and they still had another lap to do so this was the checkered flag when they were expecting the like you know the end of the race happened one lap later um yeah, the, the commentators were like, oh no, like this is the nightmare. <laughs> so what basically happened was that nine of the 24 cars finished the race. Um, uh, <laughs> or at least were classified. They all finished because they all a virtual technically power had reaction. battery. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. because it is a, it, they, don't, they don't literally zap the energy out of the cars. They just like, they only have a certain amount of usable energy. So... A couple of the cars at the back realized and kind of like started swimming a little bit to try. So because by the end of the race, you know, to get in the top 10, all you have to do is finish. So they were all like backing off. So they were like, uh, you know, uh, Nick DeVries's, um race engineer was just saying, like, you don't have to worry. You don't have to like he's not whoever the person in second yeah, is don't not defend fighting you. Yeah, you don't have to. You know, you're fine. You're fine. Um and it almost happened in the second race because uh, uh, Jake Dennis uh, won round six. I think his first win um, with uh, 
uh, just under uh, 2% remaining in his car, but it was kind of like hit or miss there too with some of them. Um, so it was just kind of like a nightmare scenario where you basically had, you know, this this particularly difficult track to, uh, where they were coasting a lot. They felt like they weren't really racing all that much. And then, you know, unfortunately they they took out the power allotment. So in retrospect, I think a lot of the drivers were like, it would have been way cooler if you had let us use like way yeah. more of the energy at the end because that would have been like a sprint right like we're all we, we've loads of energy let's go with two laps of like flying but in the yeah, end I it just was this sort i don't of get like... that part because like in <laughs> like so i've been watching more indian we'll, we'll talk about it in a minute but like in series where like there's still fuel allotment for instance well f1 this comes up too where it's like hey we ran we ran a bunch of laps under yellow bonus you can now run full tilt a bit more than you originally planned. So, like, I don't know why you wouldn't want that for Formula E. Like, damn, you know what? Your Formula needs needs these cars to slow down. Ooh, boy. Let's better (laughs) better keep conserving energy. Like, no, let, let, (laughs) let them out. Yeah. And Formula E's, like, statement after the race was, like, you know, it was a mistake by the car in front and all that. But, like, something tells me that, like, the 15 seconds that was there and i mean that's not 15 seconds isn't you know that's a lot of time in racing let's be honest Mm -hmm. but like i do wonder if the whoever was making the call with the safety car they must have known that this was either a one or two lap scenario so and it's at their discretion like the amount of energy they take off is within a window right and it changes based of course on lots of things including how long the safety car was so i think it's i think the way they do it is like three to five kilowatts per minute or something of the the safety car being out or i couldn't tell you god it's probably per second i'm so bad with mathematics but they have a window but it, there is a, a certain amount of discretion allowed there um but yeah you're right this just seemed like they yeah like it was just kind of embarrassing too i thought it was hilarious it was like it was like the dream ending to a form this was this felt like the first season of formula e where just like anything could happen like somebody loses a race because they couldn't get their seatbelt on fast enough yeah. you know what i mean it was like yes we're back here where nothing <laughs> makes sense um but it was a bit silly i and i, and I just think they shouldn't go to circuits it, weirdly enough i always thought like oh i wish we'd see these cars at a circuit because some of these tracks are a bit like they're a bit like samey and lots of walls like sochi and you know but actually they just i don't think these cars drive interestingly enough on big tracks but they're just not kind of i think fa- that for me kind of touches on why i still haven't quite gotten into formula e like i think it needs to make that leap where like the uh, the capacity of these electric race cars needs to get to a point where like they can do the type of racing i'm more interested in this more like circuit course because i've never been particularly moved by the slightly claustrophobic um street course um i i i think hard right angle turns uh can be a little bit boring uh if you've got a bunch of those so i like i i think for me this is also kind of an indicator of formerly he's got a little bit more i think it needs to do before it's i think going to be a decent alternative to the type of motorsports that a lot of like traditionalists like um yeah and i don't know yeah. well we'll talk about here because here's my theory um it's actually the next story so i think this ties to this so red bull after years of saying they wanted no part of running an engine program 
they've inherited the Honda program <laughs> to an extent because like the the Honda spec engines they're running now, they're going to take over like custodianship of development on those. But the thing that they've been very clear about, and this is why they've been so emphatic about this coming engine freeze, is that they didn't really want to have to stand up an engine program and they didn't feel they could um overnight if like they were going to keep developing on these engines uh until they are replaced in i think 2025 um but in 2025 there will be new engines and red bull appears to have finally just sort of given up the ghost and probably a smart move given the problem the the program has been dogged for about 10 years with issues relating to getting power units they're happy with um and having those being developed out of house they are they just started construction on a major new engine factory uh, and lab at their Milton Keynes uh, headquarters. And so it's going to be an equivalent or near equivalent division to their chassis uh, uh, manufactory. And they are going to begin recruiting uh, power unit engineers uh, real soon. And Horner, uh, very different tune from where he's been for the last few years where now, Red Bull's official party line is we're very excited to be developing uh, the new engines for 2025. And I do kind of, I think there's two elements of this. Um, one is that I think the engine freeze might have been really smart because I think giving it more time probably allows you for a larger change to engine format. Um and then you could otherwise make if if you had teams actively developing on this on this spec. Um, but the other thing is it gives some of these players time to figure out what they really want to do rather than going hat in hand to, you know, gee, I hope <laughs> I hope we can keep maybe we can lure Honda back into the sport. Maybe we can go and like beg Toyota for an engine. Um, Red Bull kind of being able to seal up this Achilles heel where they've never been in charge of their own power unit. Um, is probably good news for the fight at the front, but it does make me more curious what the 2025 engines will be like. Yeah, that's wild. I'm, I'm very, the, the engine freeze thing kind of felt like, um, throwing cold water on things a little to me, but the prospect of a Red Bull engine in 2025 is exciting. It could go in so many different directions too. It's like... And yeah, it seems like every year there's something exciting to look forward to for the next few years. You know what I mean? Like between drivers and the the changes in the regs, and you know, even even these tracks during these nightmare times have at least spiced up some of the 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 enjoyment. Um, yeah. So I I'm God, I'm so scared for them. I think they could <laughs> this could totally go in like the wrong direction, but. I don't know. They they seem like an astute operation that tends to at least, you know. I think it's going to be so interesting to see how they balance the fact that they are still so wedded to, uh, like, petrochemical uh, industry as a a sport. Uh, They're still so tied Mm. to, um, like, gas extraction versus the fact that Automotive engineering is moving away from that entirely. And we, we talked about this a little bit, where they're like, biofuels will be the way forward. I think by 2025, they might not be. And so, like, I'm very curious how aggressive they end up being in 2025 with laying out a 
the the balance of like fossil fuel uh driven or or sorry like uh like some sort of like carbon based fuel uh hydrocarbon fuel with Combustion. um with electric my suspicion is they'll want to put yeah. the slider knows, more may, electric maybe maybe president DeSantis will will all be about that <laughs> petrol you know <laughs> who knows which way that's i'm like god i don't even want to tell I, i'm hopeful about the future but it's you know seems to happen in four-year increments at least over here so <laughs> uh all right well we've got a few more quick hits in news um the canadian grand prix is kind of up in the air there's been yeah. rumors from canadian press that it will not take place and uh a bunch of uh, f1 news outlets are reporting that in the event that that does happen um turkey would stand in so that is that would be uh the weekend of june 13th so be on the lookout for more news about that. Cool. That was uh, good. Well, yeah, it was fun. Uh, I think yeah. also benefited by some rain. Um, yes, true. Do you know what circuit I really, really, really want to come back now, though? I've been playing that MotoGP 21 game, and I've been driving on Sepang again. And I'm like, Ooh, oh, man, times. Yeah. this track is so good. I think the Sector so 2 moments. there is so good. Like, it's got the it's got the back-to-back fast straights, which is fun. But then, yeah. like the more twisty road coursey section of it is also really good. There's some challenging corners. It it was a, very ch- and yeah. also that track aged and decayed in interesting ways. So it did, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of video yeah. games, though, yeah, yeah, we've got a we got some F1 2020. Sorry, 2021 to look forward to. Last year's game was kind of a little bit of an oddity because it had a very different uh, season to the one we ended up having people in the stands as well what was that about i cannot believe none of these games did an option where i can turn off the fans like for god for goodness also, it's sake, always the worst it's so part stra- of the game like it always looks totally. like shit i would have relished the opportunity to be like just make those fuckers disappear totally <laughs> like my good like and it just, frames back and it just it just you know for games that are trying to you know capture the reality of the the moment it's like it doesn't make any sense but whatever you know you know this needed here and there i guess um the real news is that uh f1 2021 will be out in july uh friday the 16th um at least that's what it says for yeah i guess they're doing a uk time good old friday release um it's going to continue on it's got a brand new story mode i think it's got some of the characters from last year's one um breaking point is the name of the story mode this year but more importantly they have uh three new tracks being added but they're going to come after launch um imola uh algarve which we're going to talk about today and Jeddah, of course the street circuit we're going to enjoy later in the year in saudi arabia um will be added uh, in the weeks and months following the launch of the game because they were added relatively late to the calendar this year for our Blockbuster 23 circuit um, uh, schedule. So, yeah, that's the news on that. And they're going to have a PS5, Xbox Series X slash S versions too. So, um, hopefully, they'll have some nice frames per second and delicious PC-esque uh, graphics on the consoles. Do they say if they'll be free, the three new tracks? Um, I suspect, yeah, they, um, nowhere on this article did they say they wouldn't be. So okay. to my knowledge, it's just them, you know, adding them in. They're, at least, a lot, you know, when I interviewed those guys, and it was a long time ago now, wasn't exactly the largest team, Um, you know, sort of specialists. So it's not surprising to me that it might take them a little while, especially Jeddah, because, you know, it seems like that track, it's always t- tricky for them to build the tracks as they're being built because... They don't really know what mm-hmm. they'll look like or feel like uh, 
and even the turns you know there might be some subtle changes so yeah i'm looking forward to it those games are good Code yeah. have done right by that series for the past decade now yeah. i guess now it's time for ea um, to ruin it <laughs> oh my god yeah exactly well yeah yeah with the help of that would be very funny if like they get acquired and the next step is like dlc tracks to complete the actual season <laughs> and just like watch people lose their shit sector three of monaco is dlc i'd skip that uh, just well, transport from the swimming pool to the starfish <laughs> <laughs> Uh, one more bit of uh, a spoilers section here for IndyCar. So uh, check the show notes uh, and or skip ahead. Um, what's been going on over there, Rob? Yeah, so um, IndyCar has been real good this season. Uh, yeah. And the racing has been top notch. They had a really fun race uh, down in St. Petersburg, Florida uh, that had a bit of it's a street circuit. Um, it, part of it uses some city roads. Part of it uses an airstrip. Um and I think the thing that really jumped out at me is like these cars can take a licking. Um, Danny alluded to this yeah. earlier about like them being able to bang <laughs> wheels a little bit more, but I was shocked the degree to which these guys could like smack walls, smack each other, and like keep racing at pace. Um, Rob, I think, said, Rob, I think Rojan might have found his series. Yeah, he hit the wall like three times <laughs> in he, one race. He said, he said after the race, um, it was the most physical race he had ever done. Wow, that's cool. Oh yeah, so Colton Herta ran a beautiful race and won it pretty handily. Um, he didn't run away with it. He had to, he had to like defend that position pretty much the entire race. Cause once safety cars started coming out, his lead disappeared. And so the last like 20 laps, he was constantly in defense mode. I think against, um, might've been Joseph Newgarden right behind him. I can't remember. Um, but he was, he was under pretty constant attack, uh, from these safety car restarts, but it was a, it was a dominant performance and yeah, he got out of the car and he was just like physically shattered. Um, just said it was like just a brutally tough race. Um, but at the end of it, Mario Andretti was sort of making the comment that like, yo, this guy's F1 quality. Um, and his point was that, it's strange that like F1 doesn't seem to have much of an interest in creating an on-ramp for like an, an American F1 driver. Um, and he, he sort of called out, uh, he said, you know, Colton's 21. So it's a great time. And I realize the lack of testing and license restrictions, but I mean that Russian kid gets a super license and the guys at the very top level over here can't get one. There's something wrong here. Uh, <laughs> And so Mario putting uh, putting Mazepin on blast is uh, is is very funny, but also it did. You know, I think to a degree, IndyCar probably has an embarrassment of riches when it comes to great racing drivers right now. It's you know, if you want to see good drivers uh, having a good go at each other, like probably Indy is the series to be into. Uh, But yeah, like there is this younger generation of really first rate. Um, IndyCar drivers, Colton Herta being one of them, that, um, you know, you can have a great career in IndyCar, but it is kind of surprising that uh, because the driver development programs in F1 seem so deterministic about the talent that even filters up into the sport, that it feels like the already rickety ladder that existed in F1 like 20, 30 years ago between like American Motorsports and F1 totally kicked away. And um, I think Mario is probably right to be sort of flagging this as a bit of an issue uh, because 
it's cool like having f1 be a nifty subculture uh here in the u.s i enjoy it but at the same time like haas is not a real american team um and barely a real one team and Mm. yeah there's a distinct lack of um like u.s racing series u.s like racing series talent having opportunities to get in there i think that's that might also end up being true of like patricio award uh from mexico where like Mm. you got these guys proving they got it uh in open wheel racing and it just isn't there uh for it's gonna it's gonna feel even weirder if like the plans for f1 to have three races in america by 25 i think is what i heard in an interview recently you know it'll stand out even more because it does stand out when you go to a place like austin you know did we talk about miami we did we did last week okay talked a little bit about it we didn't i don't think the render was up yet it looks fine whatever looks a lot like st peter's like in terms of vibe um pretty normal stuff but yeah are they planning on doing three american races though that was uh, yeah i was in an interview i saw they did like another it's another one of these f1 youtube videos where they were in oh, i forget who it was it was one of the f1 execs and they were asking questions um because i've also seen some things where it looks like they might be looking to play hardball with coda again um which may be a huge mistake um but yeah i don't know we'll have to have to see it's it's there's no shortage of races to go to and it's, i mean nascar is back up and running as well we got joey logano doing backflips over bubba wallace it was a there was a whole it's been a lot of racing happening um recently in in the states so it's it's yeah i don't know we, well, we haven't been in f1 in a while though yeah let's get to racing in portugal Danny. Sure, Autodromo Internacional do Algarve uh, in the region, I think. Well, it's the Algarve region, but Portimao is the sort of the little town there, a city um, that we've sort of, it's kind of like an Interlagos name we've been giving it. Um, yes, this was uh, first used in the modern era um, in F1 last year. It was kind of, it's it's a known quantity, this track. It's in other race series. I uh, mentioned last year a bunch of the... Um, Drivers last year uh, who had raced in Formula 3 in recent years knew the track relatively well because it, it was part of that series. Um, but last year was kind of the first time that we got a real swing at it in for F1. Um, it's a 66-lap race. Uh, lap length is 4.6 kilometers. Race distance 306. Uh, the record held by Lewis Hamilton since last year is a minute and 18. So it's... Uh, it's it's a it's a it's, sorry I should say it's a minute and eighteen but it's got fifteen turns on it so this one is a real if you have a pain in your neck stay at home because this one is a real um, uh, difficult one for the drivers the other aspect is that it's incredibly like undulating like it, yes. it it goes up and down all the time sector two is just like a little roller coaster and you can see the especially from the trackside cameras there's a lot of shots of F one cars disappearing over hill crests or diving down into bowls um you know i bet this is loads of fun on a motorbike it's just it's like a it's a real you know scoopy sort of up and down um uh, track so uh, it's quite technical as a result and um, last year we were sort of concerned going into it that the main overtaking spot seemed to be turn one there's two drs uh straights here one of them is very short it's reminiscent of uh sort of the sector two uh, Bahrain uh, uh, DRS straight that's in the middle there um, where it's not particularly long but last year and uh, there was rain but even when it the, the the 
track started to dry up and the rain went away, we ended up having these like multi-turn battles here uh, where you would have somebody perhaps overtaken to turn one uh, on the DRS straight relatively handily because it's quite a long straight. But because of the speed of turn one, it's not like a China or, you know, a lot of these tracks where suddenly you're into a hard braking zone and you can keep your position. Turn one is actually fairly fast and it enters another turn which is also a right-hander, which is also fairly fast. And then at the end of that is a kind of almost like a hairpin right-hander, which is also fast. And if you can keep around there, we saw battles go all the way to turn five and some of them go all the way to like turn seven or eight, um, where cars weren't getting away from each other. And the track is kind of wide enough to permit that. So uh, it'll be interesting. We did have some, you know, the, the latter part of the track, you know, is quite up and down. So I think you you see less overtaking moves around there just because drivers are unsighted quite a lot. Um, and also there's just so much, um, uh, so many areas to overtake in that first sector. And the DRS straight is basically a given. So if you can get behind somebody at the end of the lap, by the time you hit the start finish straight, you're almost guaranteed if you have DRS to, to at least have an attempt on it. But it is cool that unlike a lot of these other tracks where we do have that big DRS overtaking spot, um, it continue it, it instead of it finalizing the overtake here, it sort of sets up a battle, um, mm. which is pretty cool. So you know we saw that last year. You know I don't know if it's going to rain this year, but hopefully rain or shine, we'll get a lot of those battles in uh in the Algarve. Awesome! I'm really looking forward to this. It's just such a, a it's a, one of those tracks. It's just a pleasure to look at. I think because yeah. of that undulation, like the um, someone in our, our Discord last year described the start-finish straight as a mesa. Like you ride <laughs> up it and then over the top like a table and then back down. It's Yeah, it's super cool. Uh, weather-wise, we are looking at qualifying day 19 Celsius or 66 Fahrenheit um, with a 10% chance of precipitation. Uh, light winds, 8 miles an hour or 13 kilometers an hour. Um, and then on race day, similar winds, uh, very little precipitation. I'm showing 0% here. Mm. And as for temperature, slightly warmer, 21 Celsius or 69 Fahrenheit. Yeah, it should be. It, I mean, the last race was in October as well. I should mention last year's one mm-hmm. was kind of like a, a safety rate. You know what I mean? It, it got brought in last minute. So um, very different time of the year. Uh, so, yeah, unsurprising maybe that maybe track temps will be different too. We'll get a different race out of it as a result. Going into the weekend, we have Lewis Hamilton on top of the Drivers' Championship with 44 points. Right behind him, Max Verstappen with 43. Lando Norris is in third with 27. Charles Leclerc with 20. Valtteri Bottas is in fifth with 16, followed by Carlos Sainz and Daniel Ricciardo tied for sixth. Sergio Perez is in eighth with 10th place. Ninth is Pierre Gasly with six. Lance Stroll in 10th has five points. Yuki Tsunoda and Esteban Ocon both have two points. Fernando Alonso in 13th with one. And then we've got Kimi Raikkonen, Antonio Giovinazzi, George Russell, Sebastian Vettel, Mick Schumacher, Nikita Mazepin, and Nicholas Latifi with zero. In constructor standings, Mercedes is on top with 60. Red Bull's got 53. McLaren's in third with 41, followed by Ferrari with 34. Alpha Tauri in fifth with five points. Aston Martin has five. Uh, Alpine has three, and then Alfa Romeo, Williams, and Haas all have zero. And that's the drivers and teams. You can also join our fantasy league if you would like to get in the standings uh, with the link in the show notes. Uh, and you can hit us up on the email, Danny. Yeah, this first one comes from JW. We get this one 
annually. So this year I thought I'd give it to you, Drew. All right. Uh, JW says, thank you for the podcast. You got it. Uh, I live in Texas and plan to go to the race this fall at COTA, the Circuit of the Americas. I was wondering if you had any advice for my first race. Should I find a section with a specific seat? Is general admission the way to go to see different parts of the track? Uh, I'm also trying to decide if I should go alone or bring my daughter with me, who is 10 years old. She enjoys watching an occasional race on television with me, but I'm not sure how a live race event may be received. Uh, Open to any other advice to make my first race an exciting and memorable weekend. Uh, awesome. Okay, so, Danny, you and I went to the Circuit of the Americas in yes. 2016? Dean, that sounds about right. Yeah, it was right when I started Noclip, I think. So, yeah, I think it was 2016. Yeah, and we, so, the way that I found where to sit was YouTube. Um, you just type right. in the name of the circuit and then, like, T15 or Turn 3 or whatever. Uh, look at a circuit map and generally the race venue will have a map for you to look at and then you can see like where the grandstands are and then just go to YouTube, type in the circuit and then the grandstand. Um, and so you can see like what it looks like. Uh, I did that and we decided on turn 15, which is the part of uh, the Circuit of the Americas where like from our seat, we could see them coming down the back straight right at us and then do that zigzag kind of stadium section Mm. Um, which was such a great place because, um, you could like, it had, uh, people coming down to the end of DRS zone. There was passing opportunities, really, really cool. Um, so that I, I've never done general admission. Um, but that you are given kind of free reign to walk around anywhere that is not a grandstand. Um, I personally you can also if, kind of do with our tickets, right? Because we did a little bit of that. Of yeah, like I mean, yeah, if you have a if you have a seat, then you can I think you can also wander around to the, the general admission stuff. Mm. Um, I for me, I was already traveling and spending a lot of money. Mm. I wanted to get my money's worth. And so I opted to get a seat which is much more expensive than general admission if you're already in texas i don't know that that that's up to you i would say mm-hmm. um there i think there are maybe search online for for um people's opinions on this stuff but i think the circuit of the americas is one of those tracks where like yeah you could get reasonable spots to general admission one thing i'll say for that is like even if you're sitting in a seat where you can see a lot it's tough to understand what is happening in the race. Yeah. Um, I had uh, an AirPod in my ear with the, uh, I think you can sign up with the F1 app. You can um, pay like five bucks or something and get the radio broadcast in your ear and also like text updates with what's going on. And so I was listening to that and reading that and like relaying them to you. Um, yeah. And I think that was the only way that we were going to understand what was happening. Because you can't, you can see the, t- like, from where we were, we could see a TV. But it's it's hard to hear the commentary over the sound of the engines. So it's it's not the best, like, place to understand how the race is going. But it is super cool to see the cars go around. And I think you should definitely take your kid. Um, maybe not to the race, because, like, that's two hours sitting in the sun watching noisy race cars. Yeah. But at least to, like, if you get... Uh, tickets for friday or saturday definitely walk around the grounds as the cars are going around i think that would be super cool for a kid 
Yeah, I think uh, you so you sort of organized our trip for that and I was like really happy with like the tick the seats you got were like super good. They were like between 16 and 17 I think. So you could see that whole arena section like you said. Um but it almost felt like two different days. Like the day for the qualifying and stuff and I forget what, what Friday was like. I'm not sure if we actually went down on Friday in the end. Um but the Saturday felt like more of a sort of festival-y day where I was happy to walk around and see the different things. And you can go up the big, scary, tall thing, which I didn't do because fuck that. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, you true. did. Um, and you could like have your general admission. There's a bunch of support races that were cool. Like they had classic cars and all this sort of stuff. And I liked that. Um, and then the race day was more of a... Like, I think I would like to have the seats for the race day because, you know, it's pretty competitive. And if you've got a 10-year-old kid, it's, you know, maybe you have to turn up early. Maybe you have to, like, make sure you stay in your seat then so no one takes it. You know, stay in your area in GA so that no one else takes it. Um, Yeah, having a guaranteed spot that you knew was good was, like, especially traveling. Like, you you don't want to get shut out. Um, That that was really uh, a weight off my shoulders. And there was stuff to do outside of the racetrack area but like not that much a lot of it was like like buying expensive shirts and yeah things of that nature so it's not like you know going to a you know a theme park or something where there's like lots of different other things going on that you can enjoy so yeah i think the saturday might be more fun because you can sort of have an a la carte race experience but yeah to two things that stand out to me at least when i think about my kid my daughter's only you know three years old but like having somewhere to sit down for kid is like super important and like drew said like i've got pasty irish skin man that was a lot of sun to take in you know over the course of a whole day so i was like lathering myself up and there's no protection in the texas sun you know when you're sitting in your seat like the stands aren't covered so you know that's another consideration but definitely do it if you can it was a lot of fun Hopefully yep. there's another Taylor Swift concert on this year so she can enjoy that too because we sure as hell enjoyed it last time. Oh, yeah. Um, I am uh, curious if you're like, I'm going to burn through all my data. You're like, could you get a decent feed off F1 TV, off mobile? Oh, I doubt you'd even get Imagine the Imagine us all just sitting there with the iPad out with Pit Lane <laughs> Channel up and we're watching the cars go by. You know what it's like trying to like get your emails at a music festival. That's it's probably like, the truth. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah, it's real rough. Uh, Rob, do you want to get this one um, from Madison? Uh, an interesting concept. Yeah. We, we don't need sprint races. We need chaos. Uh, good subject line. Hi, guys. Hope you're well. First, I should disclaim that this is not my original idea. I am merely passing it on should some more powerful beings who can actually make it happen overhear the podcast. What if, instead of sprint races which are already gathering controversy like a giant dirty snowball despite not even seeing any track action yet, the FIA introduced something similar to Fan Boost in Formula E. The driver the driver slash drivers with the most votes get to absolutely floor it for a designated section of time. I'm thinking maybe a whole lap with DRS. Well, they, that they, would kill except, people. Except but, the corners, maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> except it's not the fans who vote. It's the drivers. They can't vote for themselves or their teammate. And at the end of the race, it's made public who voted for who. (laughs) 
Imagine the scenes in the post-race press conferences. I'm sure it would be much less chaotic than we actually expect because strategically it makes sense to vote for the slowest drivers. But just imagine the spin Mazepin could create on a flying lap in a Haas going faster than should be physically possible. Actually, now I've said it, I'm definitely imagining cars with a little rocket rocket propulsion fitted to them so we have such scenes as a Williams going Mach 7 down the main straight. Anyway, thanks to whoever put that idea out into the world. Let me know what you think. Uh, it would definitely hasten the conversion of F1 to the reality show. Exactly. That some yeah. people already criticize it could be. <laughs> um, and yet, it is pretty tempting the notion that, like, who is liked on the grid? Uh, like, just imagine the lord of F1 that Felipe Massa would have been um, <laughs> if an idea like this had existed. Who is it now? Lando, maybe? Or. Might be Lando. Until last week, it might have been George. Um, oh yeah, but yeah, I could I could see it being one of those guys. Um, yeah, the, the the only problem I have with this email is that it it assumes that Mazepin would get any votes. Yeah, good point. Who wouldn't? Do you know, Kimmy would probably abstain. <laughs> He'd be like, I don't. That, that's your job. I don't want to do that. Blah. I like, yeah, but I, I do like the idea of the, yeah, like you said, the soap opera of this getting them all to pick friends it's like whenever they do those like one-on-one or those like two-on-one interviews with like both drivers and they ask them like you know what what did you do during the break and it's like clear that they've never had a conversation (laughs) outside of the track you're like come on guys did you hang out aren't you buds also i'd be open the voting to engineers and mechanics and you have, you really have my interest. Like we don't leave that anonymous, but do give me the results about like who as a group those those guys voted for, because I think that could also be interesting. Like who's a prick? I I can't see uh, stroll the stroll dynasty get many uh, votes in that scenario. At least after watching the most recent series of Drive to Survive. I don't know. Yeah, I'm I'm very curious. Um, well, yeah, we'll we'll talk about it because I think the, stro- the strolls are starting to get get my interest. Mm. Well, if you would like to send us uh, some crazy email, you can do so at uh, shiftf1podcast at gmail.com or through our website at f1.cool slash emails. Uh, you can also hit us up on Twitter at shiftf1podcast. I'm at Drew Scanlon. That is at Danny O'Dwyer and at Rob Zachney. That's us around the internet. Should we take it around the world, Danny? Let's race around the world. Yeah. IndyCar is back with a couple of back-to-back races in Tejas. At the Ooh. Texas Motor Speedway, the Genesis 300, uh, Toe Jam and Earl sponsoring it, um, nope. followed okay. by the Xpel 375. Xpel, yes. What's Xpel? Don't know. It's Xpel. Um, Xpel. The FIA World Endurance Championship is at Spa for the six hours of mm. Spa. That's a lot of Spa. It's a lot of Spa. I like it. Six hours on a spot. You're going to have wrinkly toes after that one. <laughs> Camping World Trucks are at the Kansas Speedway this weekend for the Wise Power 200. Is that W-Y-S-E? Uh, W-I-S-E. Straight up. Ooh. Just regular old Wise. Wise. Uh, MotoGP is at Jerez for the Gran Premio de España. The MotoGP game is really hard. 
still those games are still hard those games are very hard <laughs> oh my god i can Controlling already i can already back I can, breaks no thanks I, oh my I, god i tried it out oh, and i was just getting so worked i was like so i can't hard. i can't do a hot lap without it's like being a drummer my little writer or like yeah. rubbing your belly and patting your head like it's dude even if you turn that off it's just like trying to keep the racing line i'm on i i'm all i can do is moto three cars <laughs> I, I can't i can't figure out how to effectively slow down and keep pace that's the, yeah that's hard. the main thing is yeah. like i'm just not i'm not doing it uh, <laughs> I'll throw in a, a, a Tuesday race with Supa <gasps> GT. Ooh, um, at the Fuji Speedway in uh, Oyamacho, Suntogun, Shizuoka Prefecture. Mm. Classic. And Classic we got NASCAR. Oh my! Uh, we oh boy! We're oh, also we're at the Kansas Speedway, and I can definitely tell you this race was named by the internet. Oh, let's do it. It's, it's, the, called, it's the Bodie McBoatface for it. It is called the Bushy McBush Race 400. <laughs> Excuse me. The Bushy, McBu- the Bushy McBush Race? Yep. What? What? Yep. Bushy. Brought to you by Bush Light. Bushy McBush Race. Yep. Yeah. There we go. That's that's. Yeah. Was it literally named by the internet, or like their marketing department trying to be cool? Hey, it works. I'm not <laughs> yeah. going to sit here and say it. that didn't work. I'm not going to. Yeah, yeah. It uh, looks like they maybe did. Yeah, huh. Horsey McHorseface was another one. Apparently, wow, beautiful. I love you, internet. Never change. <laughs> and Formula One is this weekend. Portuguese Grand Prix kicking off Friday, April 30th. Uh, free practice one is 6.30 a.m. Eastern time on ESPN University, followed by <laughs> free practice two at 10 a.m. Uh, then on Saturday, May 1st, 7 a.m. is free practice three, and qualifying is at 10 a.m., both of those on ESPN two. And the race, everyone, Sunday, May 2nd at 10 a.m. on ESPN. <clears throat> 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific. Woo! I'll do. I can. I can. I can get up then. That's fine. Doable. Yeah, that's watchable. Uh, final thoughts, Danny. I'm really excited because I. Uh, I just checked. I had a. I had a rash purchase. I did last week, perhaps under the influence. Um. Oh. Which is going to arrive tomorrow. Which I'm gonna. Which is going to be a, a wonderful. I was. Th- I was trying to think of really stupid things to do on the media pass for patrons so uh i got a bunch of those tops f1 trading cards and i gotta open the packs <laughs> on a video and see who we get oh man our youtube views are gonna be through the roof i know Pack it's opening. amazing yeah exactly you know this is not yeah gambling is not this is not gambling apparently i am guaranteed I didn't know they made five- f1 cars foil cards they do they do they they uh, so I, I, the last week they announced their like new ones for this year or that they were doing them or something like that so of course like a million people tweeted me these pictures of these it's last year's cars so it's 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 a bit weird because you know it's got grosjean's probably in there and yeah whatever um but they have them yeah they're they're tops turbo attacks trading card game um so don't game? buy these but i thought this would be a, a fun way to waste some of our patrons money <laughs> <laughs> so thank, i'm gonna open them on a video and we'll we'll just do it together so y- i'm doing this so you don't have to 
There you, you know go. what I mean? You can just sit down and watch me be disappointed when I get 15. You don't anticipate a pleasant Antonio surprise along the lines of the beer. Where you're I like, don't watch. It's all right. You don't oh, expect no. like a repeat of the beer experience where it's like, ha, this was novelty, but turns out I love it. Yeah, that's a good point. No, well, the other side of that was that we also had um, some of the energy drink uh, during that taste test as well, mm. which was mm-hmm. not so enjoyed. So, no, no, this may be rich energy. This may be blue coast. Become a patron to find out. Or I'll tell, uh, I'll tell you on the podcast if we got any cool cards. Don't worry. We're not going to gauge it like that. But yeah, check out the video if you want. I'm going to do that probably in the next few weeks. Cool. Uh, final thoughts, Rob? Um, I am now in line. I, I ended up just clicking on the ticket ordering thing at, at Coda. And they're like, due to demand, there are 4,000 people in line ahead of you. Whoa. So I don't know what that implies for the race. But um, if people were interested, they should maybe get on that. Because I was just like clicking around. I couldn't even look at the seating chart yet. Um, oh, wow. They're like, no, well, when we get to you, you can see a seating chart. Uh, but for 4, now, enjoy this ticket master scalpers line. ahead of you, Rob. <laughs> God, I'd be so, I would be so pissed having to pay scalpers prices to watch my F1 race. <laughs> It's already very expensive. Yeah. All right. Well, if you'd like to support the show and get access to all of our bonus episodes, you can do so over at patreon.com slash shift F1. Have a good race weekend, everyone. We will see you all next week. Meow.